We're just getting started tonight. One hour's not enough to deal with what we've seen already and what we're going to see this week. So you're watching White House in Crisis, the impeachment inquiry, taking a look at the big picture. We're going to step back and put the pieces of this giant jigsaw together. Now, let's step back a little bit further. While this inquiry is about what the president did and why he did it, how he used tools at his disposal to benefit himself, that's the whole mix. That may not even be the root of the problem. There's evidence that the Ukraine plot may have been driven by even larger forces. Like what? Money, Russian interests, potentially involving Rudy Giuliani's indicted associates. For a look, here's Drew Griffin tonight with a new CNN investigation. You probably don't know Dale Perry, but history may record this energy executive as one of the first who sounded the alarm about what would become President Trump's impeachment inquiry. In April, Perry's former business partner, Andrew Favorov, now a director at Ukraine's state-owned gas company, Naftagas, says two shady characters had approached him with a secret plan to take over the management inside Naftagas. Those two shady characters... Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman are two low-level, Soviet-born businessmen from South Florida, and they were trying to clear the way for their own gas business. They basically just flat out said to him, hey, to do the deals we want to do, uh, we, we're not able to get through to uh, your CEO, and we think that the, the business needs a new CEO. The current one uh, is in, the, in our way, and the current one has the support of the U.S. ambassador, and so this is where the meeting then uh, became very strange and disturbing, actually, to Andrew. Naftagas was finally making a profit. Its new CEO had spent five years cleaning up the corruption-plague giant. The efforts had support of anti-corruption leaders across Ukraine and the world, including U.S. Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch. But Parnas and Fruman said they were working on getting rid of the ambassador. What they said was, not that we can, but they are removing her, and that it's already been agreed at the highest level of the U.S. government. In other words, they were suggesting that President Trump had already agreed that, yes, they would remove her. You said he took it as sort of a, a threat. Well, because the way he looked at it... A shakedown. A shakedown, because he said, Let, either I join them and become the CEO, or they're going to find someone else to be the CEO and remove all of us. All of us meaning the top management of Naknoft, I guess. Andrew Favorov isn't talking, but two sources familiar with the matter tell CNN Perry's description of the events is correct. Perry was so alarmed he wrote a letter that eventually reached the State Department, but it may have been too late. A short time later, what Parnas and Fruman predicted happened. The U.S. Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch was removed stunning anti-corruption officials in Ukraine. Now we know from American diplomats, Parnas and Fruman had powerful help. I became increasingly aware of an effort by Rudy Giuliani and others, including his associates Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, to run a campaign to smear Ambassador Yovanovitch. While Rudy Giuliani was using Parnas and Fruman to help him push his conspiracy theories about the Bidens and that Ukraine was behind the election meddling in 2016, Parnas and Fruman were using Giuliani for their own scheme to oust a U.S. ambassador getting in the way of their plans for a gas business. 
sound far-fetched? Former federal prosecutor Ken McCallion has seen it before in Ukraine and says the House impeachment inquiry is exposing the real issue, money. It's really not just about the Bidens. It's not about uh, a DNC server being hidden in Ukraine. It's really about the money. It's a fight for control of NAFTA gas and the natural gas resources. Parnas and Fruman may have begun their plan in 2018. Parnas hired Giuliani for a half a million dollars. A federal indictment alleges they also began donating hundreds of thousands of dollars in foreign funds to Republican causes, giving them incredible access to political fundraising events, including at least 10 with President Trump. Both have pleaded not guilty. The Washington Post even reports Lev Parnas told the president he needed to replace his U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, and Trump reportedly agreed. This would all make perfect sense except for one thing. Parnas and Fruman had zero experience in the gas business and could not have acted alone. Parnas and Fruman, with no background in the oil, gas, natural resources area, all of a sudden decided to form uh, a company which you can only do in Ukraine or Russia, really, with the blessing of the powers that be. And in this case, this would be Firtash. Firtash is Dmitry Firtash, a Kremlin-connected oligarch who made a fortune selling Russian gas to Ukraine. He's been fighting extradition to the United States since 2013, when he was charged in a bribery scheme. He's declared his innocence and has hired prominent Washington lawyers to lobby the Trump administration to drop his case. Attorneys for Parnas and Fruman refused to answer questions about Dmitry Firtash, but in an odd arrangement, Firtash's attorneys hired Lev Parnas as a translator. Sources tell CNN Parnas has bragged Dmitry Firtash was bankrolling his lavish lifestyle of private planes and bodyguards, telling them, I'm the best-paid interpreter in the world. And nothing but the truth, so help you. What is now at stake in the U.S. is the potential impeachment of a president. But in Ukraine, the stakes are much higher. Russian oligarchs have made a fortune in corrupt deals in Ukraine. Dale Perry fears the oligarchs, backed by Russia, are gaining new ground. We're fighting an economic war, actually, in Ukraine. The rule of law and the free market versus the old way, and the old way is is Putin's way. So help you God. In her testimony, the now removed U.S. ambassador has the same fear. How could our system fail like this? How is it that foreign corrupt interests could manipulate our government? Which country's interests are served when the very corrupt behavior we have been criticizing is allowed to prevail? Such conduct undermines the U.S., exposes our friends, and widens the playing field for autocrats like President Putin. And Chris, I think that's what's getting somewhat lost here. While the president was pushing his own personal political agenda in Ukraine and Rudy Giuliani and his two associates may have been cooking up this plot to cash in on their own ties to Trump, the big winner here once again, Vladimir Putin and Russia. Yeah, that seems to be coming back as a theme. Drew Griffin, thank you for helping us understand just how many questions there are here and how deep they go. Appreciate it. All right, let's get some big picture reaction to that from Andrew McCabe and Jim uh, Baker. Jim, I start with you in terms of what that could mean, intrigue aside, uh, you know, the idea of, well, it's just Parnas and Fruman. I mean, we don't know where it goes other than that. 
Well, we don't know where it goes other than that. We, it's very confusing. There's obviously uh, allegations that two, the two of them and others committed uh, federal crimes, and so they're being uh, investigated by the Southern District of New York. Uh, the Southern District of New York, I hope, is investigating, U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, I hope is investigating all of this stuff because it's, it's just very confusing to try to figure out. Uh, you know, this is typical with international corruption cases, international fraud cases. I used to work on those a long time ago when I was in the, in the criminal division at DOJ. And it's just hard. The evidence is overseas. The witnesses are overseas. It's confusing and it's intentionally confusing. These folks try to do this uh, to make it hard to track back exactly what's going on. So it's it's alarming. It's confusing. And also, obviously, the level of access that they had to the president of the United States uh, is just confounding, really. It's really difficult to understand what in the world was going on here. Andrew, key questions. You know, I, I think that one of the key questions all along has been, what's the real motivation behind Parnas and Fruman? And I think with stories like the one that you are getting into now and the, with the piece we just saw, we may be getting a glimpse at exactly why these two uh, American citizens of Russian and Ukrainian descent were so enthralled with and so attached to Rudy Giuliani and uh, President Trump. Um, you know, I spent half of my career in the FBI investigating Russian organized crime, a lot of which involved deals uh, much like the one that uh, that we just heard about. Um, nobody enters into that web without getting something for it. So the idea that Parnas and Fruman were just so motivated to help President Trump because they're big fans of his never really made a lot of sense to me. The idea that they may have had a financial uh, motivation because of the side deal they were pursuing mm. with NAFTA gas really fills in a lot of those gaps. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a break, guys. Stay with me. When we come back, let's talk about what's coming this week uh, and what needs to come out for this case to be advanced at all and to move to this point of we know what What's wrong? What is the right consequence? So we'll have more with McCabe and Baker uh, taking a look at what the risks are, national security risk as raised by Drew Griffin, and how it's all playing into the week upcoming next. How could our system fail like this? How is it that foreign corrupt interests could manipulate our government? Which country's interests are served when the very corrupt behavior we have been criticizing is allowed to prevail? All right. So here's the question. What does it mean? We keep hearing things, their admissions, eyebrows go up, eyebrows go down. The president, Giuliani, Ukraine, maybe Russia, all this swirling. How do you zero in? on what's moving the needle and what isn't. Let's bring in the big brains, Andrew McCabe and Jim Baker. Let's uh, do it like this for the sake of argument, literally. Um, I will offer what we heard this week and what we hear or I hear as a journalist from those who are trying to take uh, the air out of these suggestions. Uh, And I'll start uh, with you, Andrew McCabe. The big pushback is, Mm -hmm. look, This is about you not liking how the president made his decisions. You want to say the crowd strike notion that Ukraine was a much bigger player in 2016 interference uh, than previously thought? Okay, you can think it's a conspiracy theory. He doesn't. He's the president. He gets to engage. Same thing with the Bidens. You may not care that Hunter Biden was there and all the conspiracy theories about where money moved and didn't. But he does. 
So you just don't like his motivations. And that is not a basis for impeachment. Well, it's not just about not liking his motivations. I mean, those two theories, conspiracy theories that you just launched, there's not a single shred of evidence to support either one of them. So there's there's the underlying issue that the president should start at some point to figure these things out, to listen to his advisors, to listen to the intelligence community. But let's put that aside just for a minute. This isn't just like people disagree with the way he decides to go about conducting his foreign policy authority. This is a big step beyond that. This is an allegation that he's using that foreign policy authority, one, to benefit himself politically, not to seek the country's interest, and that is certainly impeachable. And two, he's doing it in a way to invite foreign influence into our elections. And that is absolutely should be considered impeachable by anybody who understands it. Hmm. So uh, the follow up on that, Jim, is, look, I hear what Andrew's saying, but no, it just matters. He believes uh, in this. And that is fundamental because that means he does not have corrupt intent. He, the president did not have intent to abuse his power. He sees Ukraine as bad because Rudy told him that they're bad, that they were out to get him. They're corrupt. They're dirty. And now he's supposed to give them all this money and be friends with them when they tried to hurt him? No way. They're going to prove they weren't out to get me by getting the guys who supposedly they were helping. Where does that become impeachable? So the president's conduct, based on the information we have so far, was abusive, oppressive, and corrupt. Why? Because just look at the transcript, read the transcript, as we've been encouraged to do. The transcript clearly indicates that the president of the United States was trying to get a foreign leader to use his power, the foreign government's power, to investigate American citizens. That's not the way we do it in the United States. And that is oppressive as to those individual American citizens, because when a foreign government starts to investigate them at the behest of the president, they have no redress. They can't go to, to U.S. courts and have no other mechanism in the United States to try to stop an unlawful investigation. So the president trying to get them to do that is oppressive and abusive. And I think it's corrupt in part because, as Andy was saying, it's the president trying to stay in power. That's what this is all right. about. I mean, the weakness so, of the argument. The strength of their argument is they're willing to accept, yeah, he uh, conducts foreign policy on the basis of conspiracy theories and wild notions that were given to him by people who uh, are not in a period of uh, position to be experts. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll take that. That okay. means, But at least he's not going to be impeached. Their problem is, as Jim, you've argued before, is how. So that takes us to the other big question that I think will be answered this week for anybody who's not just strictly left or right, but reasonable. And that is, Andrew... Why were so many people who weren't looking to get attention so worried about how this was being done and what the motivation was, which came down to Biden, access to the American uh, presidency and the aid they should have gotten already? That's exactly right. So you have a number of um, administration officials who have, you know, who are uh, in positions of trust, who are uh, reasonable, thoughtful, well-educated, experienced people, all of whom reacted the same way hearing that call, who independently went and brought it to the attention of the White House Counsel's Office because they were so concerned about it. Vindman did that. Uh, Fiona uh, Hill did that. So, and none of those folks had a reason, um, had a political reason to do that. And I think another thing that you got to highlight here, Chris, is that 
even the president's lawyer. So the White House counsel, John Eisenberg, the White House counsel for the National Security Council, um, they they responded to those concerns about the call by moving it to a place where it couldn't be so easily mm. seen, taking it out of the normal system and putting it in the highly classified system. That alone is an acknowledgement of the fact that they, too, saw some serious problems with what happened on that call. Yeah, one thing I think people have to be more fair about is the idea that, look, the Democrats are just using the power they have to go after this president. We may never have been here. If when the whistleblower came forward and the inspector general found them credible and went to the DNI, the acting director of national intelligence, if they had made a referral to the DOJ that was accepted by the DOJ instead of turned down and they did this investigation, we may be in a very different place. And there's a political cost to that. Let's leave it there, though, guys, because we'll get more facts this week to fill in the analyses. Andrew McCabe, Jim Baker on a Sunday night. Bless you both and your families. All right. The GOP. Will they remain a united front on impeachment? They did beautifully this week. You got to give them that. They are in lockstep. But we saw something just today that might put that notion in question. And is this president hurting his party with new attacks on some of his own? Let's talk to somebody who knows the process and the politics of Trump very well. Sean Duffy, next. So here's the trick, which I hope you've figured out by now. You can make a very compelling case about what this president did and why, and who helped, and how. But that doesn't mean you're going to get anybody who doesn't want to believe you to agree with it. And we saw that this week as well playing out. Very severe questioning from a very, uh, really solid block of support for the president. Now, set aside the fact that the White House is keeping the key players as far as it can from Congress. So all these calls for the whistleblower to me ring a little hollow. Because if you really want to hear from the people who know the most, stop having the White House block them. All right. So where does this leave us? Let's bring in Sean Duffy. Okay, you remember him, congressman from Wisconsin. Now he's working with us uh, here at CNN. Appreciate you as always, especially on a Sunday night with a newborn baby. Good to see you, Chris. Although maybe that's a good reason to get out of the house now that I think about it. So you owe me. (laughs) Um, So after seeing how this was conducted, do you feel comfortable acknowledging that what happened here was what the Democrats say it was. Not that it's impeachable. Not that we're not about forget consequence. Do you agree with any of what they think happened? Uh, no, I don't, Chris. Um, but I don't think we have all, have all the information yet. So what I, what I think is there, there's been an allegation of a quid pro quo. I don't think they've proved that yet. We've had second and third hand knowledge. But I think this, but, but I think it really comes down to, as you said, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have Mulvaney, maybe you don't have Pompeo. But I really think it comes down to the Bidens. And I want to go back to the last segment you just aired uh, with McCabe and Baker. And they said in regard to Parnas and Furman, Furman. the analysis yeah. on corruption, yeah, they said uh, you don't enter the web of Ukrainian gas unless you get something for it. Right. And so if you look at Hunter Biden mm-hmm. entering the web of natural gas in the Ukraine with Burisma, making mm-hmm. a, a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have anything to do with Ukraine itself. And so what's the tie in there? What does Burisma, who we know is corrupt, we saw that evidence last week. We saw the oligarch of Burisma is corrupt. 
What are they getting with Hunter Biden? Mm -hmm. Well, lo and behold, Joe Biden is the lead for Obama and the Obama White House in mm -hmm. Ukraine. So I think to unpeel this and unpack it, you actually have to bring the Bidens in and say, was there corruption or do we believe there was corruption uh, on, the, on behalf of All President right. Trump to actually see whether this was legitimate or not? Now, I will concede for the sake of argument, you can easily raise the question and even make a cogent argument that Hunter Biden should have stayed a thousand miles away from Burisma. And I'll take it a step further right. for the sake of argument. It was wrong what he did. He shouldn't have done it. And that's why the former VP wants to change the rules for families and stuff if he becomes president. However, the problem for you, Sean, is how this was done. The easy answer of President Duffy, if he had these concerns, would have been to pick up the phone, call the DOJ and say, I'm the president. I think this was shady. I believe Rudy. Take a look. This is an American citizen. No president has ever done anything like this the way this president did it. That's a fact. How do you deal with that? So I agree with you. President Duffy would have called the DOJ, but I'm not President Trump. No, but and so we how have is to it ask, not is wrong? It, is it, so saying it's to, to, to actually investigate corruption or what you perceive to be in corruption, a corruption isn't wrong. And I don't think it is impeachable. And that's, you know, my concern, Chris, is why don't we why don't we fully investigate it? And then you say, listen, if Donald Trump had said, listen, Ukrainians find dirt on Joe Biden, make something up, put it out in the press and help me mm. with the election. That's one thing. But when you have some uh, some smelly material going on with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden in the Ukraine, it's something completely different. I agree with you, Chris. He shouldn't have you know, brought it up in the phone call with Zelensky. He should have gone to the DOJ. You're right. But that doesn't undermine the point that it doesn't smell right with what Hunter and Joe were doing in the Ukraine. And but how does this smell right? All the money that was being made. How does the same nose not get equally offended by not just not going to the DOJ? Because I know a lot of people want to write that off as political acumen. Yeah. I don't buy that. The idea that this president isn't savvy or intelligent to me is absurd. He knows what he's doing. He inserted Rudy. He's a smart guy. He had all these people around him, including Sondland. And that man is in a box this week. I can't wait to hear his testimony. Yeah, I, they were I, all... I, I, me too. I don't know what he's going to say. Well, <laughs> he's, got a pride. he's got to make a decision. Does he want to protect himself or this president? Yeah. However, we'll see what he says. You insert Rudy. Right. He's with these shady guys. OK, uh, they are asking these questions. They are inserted into policy. They are manipulating the ordinary process. They yeah. are scaring everybody in the process we've heard from. And it was exactly what you say you'd be concerned about. It was always so and I, I, only I want an announcement about the Bidens that you're going to look at them. And that's when you get the aid and the meeting with me. Forget about Latin. It's an attempted bribe. But, but Chris, let, let me ask you this, too. When you say attempted bribe, you and I have gone back and forth on quid pro quo. We know that Democrats have done focus groups in, in challenging districts for their members to actually see what polls better. And quid pro quo doesn't poll well. So now they've switched to bribe. Well, who even bribery. knows what it means? I mean, Everything's a quid we, pro quo. I, I like talking to well, you. So you respect that. So, so you it, come on on a Sunday night. That's a quid pro quo. But it's, it's not a crime. I, it's a quid pro quo. Because we're doing it for the right reasons. But, but is, it a, is, there, is there a corrupt intent, which is what you've always brought up, mm -hmm. right? Is there a corrupt intent behind the quid pro quo? And you've done a good job of trying to educate your viewers on what is it? It's a this for that. And so the only way you can know if there was a corrupt intent 
is to say what was going on with the Bidens. He won't put, you and I agree. It no, 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 no. Really it's not bad. the Bidens. It's what Bring was going on with the president. And let's, and let's figure this out. He put on Pompeo, well, well, put on Mulvaney, put on no. Bolton, and no, then no, no. we'll know. So here's here, but it, and I, I hate to go to, to, to process. I mean, you're talking about process. Yeah, you well. hate Donald it. Trump used here, the wrong process. You love it. No, but he, but so make he the argument. He should have. He should have. So you said the process. He should have gone to the DOJ. He shouldn't have talked to Zelensky firsthand. I, mean, I see that's it a as proof of argument. corrupt intent. How he so, did it is proof of well, corrupt I, I, intent. Well, I see that. I, I see in the defense of Donald Trump when you look at Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and what they were doing. He has every right to say, hey, look into this. This doesn't smell right. And but by the way, I've, I've talked to the president a number of times. No, I've, I've talked to the president a number of times. He doesn't think that Joe Biden was his biggest rival in the 2020 election. He knows he's going to have a progressive socialist, whether it's. So uh, he just had Warren a legitimate or, interest or, or in corruption. Sean, he look did. at the guys yeah, he has around him. Look what they've done. Look, look what happened Pompeo? to his cabinet officials. Pompeo's, no, 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 no. Pompeo, not Pompeo, Pompeo, Mulvaney, they're great. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that. The guys who go to jail, okay. Sean. I'm talking about the half dozen guys in jail, the cabinet members who've had to flee in disgrace. He's not interested in corruption. He's OK with so, his own daughter cutting deals with China while she works for the government. He won't even show his taxes. So, so he's no play it straight transparency so two, guy. So, 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 so two, two points. So, I mean, when Donald Trump was running, um, he had a pretty slim, slim group of pickings of people that would actually help him out. They didn't think he was going to win. You and I both know that. And so he didn't have every Republican and operative that that was of the, there are the plenty of people in that game. Sean. So he, he made was, the choices he was that worked a for him deeper in the barrel. You and I will both agree that if if uh, if, your, if your kids are making money off their dad in office, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, the difference, though, with with uh, President Trump's kids was D Donald Trump didn't withhold a billion dollars of aid. But Joe Biden did withhold a billion dollars of aid in the Ukraine. What tie-in does that have to his son? And I think that's a legitimate question. And I think if we're going to unpack it and get to the truth and get Americans to coalesce mm -hmm. around, was this impeachable, wasn't it impeachable? The key to that is not Pompeo or Mulvaney. It's actually Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And I do think that Donald Trump should have a right to bring his lawyers in, because justice demands this. Ask questions. Call witnesses. Not in this process. Justice doesn't just apply in a courtroom. Not no, in this process. It doesn't just apply in a courtroom, Because, Chris. because look, yeah, here's justice, where we disagree. Justice, ju justice demands fairness under law in all cases. I'm with you. If you want to investigate it, go ahead. Just do it the right way, because I'll tell you what. Logically, forget about being a lawyer. You could be right about Hunter Biden. It could be a criminal situation. And yet how you did this could be. still be an abuse of power because you went about it to get maximal political advantage out of it and minimal light. But let's see what the facts bring out this week. I'll have you back yeah. for sure. Sean Duffy, always right. a pleasure. Hey. Best home. Hey, thanks, Chris. Have a good one. All right. Good night. So former Ambassador Yovanovitch warned you that America's foreign service pros are facing real harm. Why? How does that sit with a friend of hers, a former ambassador herself? How do we make sense of that type of admonition? Next. So, Marie Yovanovitch, the former ambassador to Ukraine, had a stellar reputation for fighting corruption in that country. Kind of makes it hard to understand the president's purported anti-corruption efforts somehow leading to her ouster and let alone a months long smear campaign. In her testimony Friday, Yovanovitch delivered you a warning. Here it is. 
Attacks are leading to a crisis in the State Department as the policy process is visibly unraveling. Leadership vacancies go unfilled, and senior and mid-level officers ponder an uncertain future. The crisis has moved from the impact on individuals to an impact on the institution itself. Now, we need to take an opportunity to suss out some different questions here. Why didn't the president go after Biden and these all real concerns until now when the guy's running against him, if it's just about corruption? All right, it's a question of fact that leads you to motivations. But what Yovanovitch just said, this is dangerous, what he does and how he treated this and how he undermined the process, it hurts us. Why? A former U.S. ambassador to Panama, Barbara Stephenson, joins us now. Thank you so much for your service to the country. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Chris, and thank you for covering this story. It matters. That's the job. Now, when you were understanding what was happening, seeing what was being done, it wasn't just about policy and politics for you. Emotionally, this was difficult for you to process and observe with Yovanovitch. Why? Well, Chris, um, as you have mentioned, um, I am honored to call Masha Yovanovitch a, a friend. And um, so seeing this happen to her personally, it, 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 it added to the deep distress that I felt watching what was going on. Like Masha, when I got the news, I didn't believe it. I was incredulous. And I thought a lot about Masha. I thought about my friend, and I, it is very painful to see what she has been put through. But just as Masha took this to the impact on the institution, I want to go there as well, Chris. When a sitting ambassador is yanked from her post and then publicly smeared like this, the impact on all of our ambassadors at our embassy, our network of embassies all around the world, it is a huge impact, Chris. When I had to deliver hard messages in Panama, and I did, I needed to make sure that it was understood I spoke with the full weight of my government behind me. Chris, I don't know how, after what we've been through since April or May, that our ambassadors around the world are able to in any way credibly pull off the idea that they're speaking with the full weight of the U.S. government behind them. The impact of all of this has been to dramatically undermine the effectiveness of what was the world's most powerful diplomatic service and the most extensive network of embassies. America's global leadership has been seriously harmed by what we've been through. Part of the attack on Yovanovitch, I actually had somebody say it was an attack, but it sounded like one to me, on the show on Friday night said, you know, she was born in Canada. And, uh, you know, she's got that Ukraine parent thing going. So, and, you know, uh, Poroshenko thought that uh, she was great. So really, you know, you have to factor that in also. What do you want people to know about the former ambassador? I want people to know that the Foreign Service is now made up of all kinds of people. Um, some like George Kent and Bill Taylor, whose families have been in this country for many years and have long and distinguished records of service. And some like Ambassador Yovanovitch, who are newer Americans and whose commitment to this country and to the ideals that we're founded on is so palpable. Masha Yovanovitch was not just a great diplomat. She's close to a hero for us. And she's someone who is understated 
and reserved and is never one to grab the spotlight. But don't ever for a minute believe that she was anything less than one of the most effective ambassadors that we've had. I appreciate very much your perspective on who she is, what she represents, and what this process represents in terms of the all-important function of diplomacy for the United States government. Thank you very much. I'll take silence as acceptance. All right, this is the most important week yet in the impeachment inquiry. Why? Look at the roster. We've been putting it up for you, but not only is it all of the people who are sharing these texts about what the hell is going on here in really explicit terms, but you got Ambassador Sondland. I don't know about a quid pro quo. Oh, let me revise that. I delivered what really could be argued as an attempted bribe. And now he was heard on a telephone call talking to the president about that and why they were doing it. So he's big, but he's not the only crucial witness. We're going to give you a preview next. In less than a month, the full House could vote on whether to impeach the 45th president of the United States. And the impeachment hearings could be over by the end of this week but not before eight more witnesses appear for the first time publicly. And as Erica Hill shows us, they're worth watching because they include the ambassador who's already changed his story once. Three days, eight witnesses. This has been an intense period for the House Intelligence Committee, and this coming week could be its final act. And an increasing focus on one man. Gordon Sondland. He's the one who seemed to have an awful lot of access to the president. Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union and a million-dollar Trump donor, is scheduled to testify on Wednesday amid new questions about his role. In the presence of my staff at a restaurant, Ambassador Sondland called President Trump and told him of his meetings in Kiev. On that call, just one day after the now infamous July 25th exchange that led to the whistleblower's complaint. I made a perfect call, not a good call, perfect call. Ambassador Sondland told President Trump Ukrainian President Zelensky would do anything Trump asked, including launch an investigation into the Bidens. Bono, I understand you have new information. A bombshell confirmed late Friday in closed door testimony by a staffer who overheard it. The Gordon Sondland testimony is going to be highly significant because he has already amended his testimony to now say that he told a top Ukrainian official that security assistance from the United States, roughly $400 million, was likely tied to the ask for investigations. According to multiple witnesses, the reason why he knows that is because of a conversation he had with President Trump. Tim Morrison, a former National Security Council official, set to testify on Tuesday, told lawmakers last month Sondland was acting at Trump's direction when he encouraged Ukraine to announce the investigations and described the EU ambassador as a problem, according to newly released transcripts. New details are piling up quickly in the impeachment inquiry. Morrison listened in on the July 25th call, as did Jennifer Williams, an advisor to Vice President Pence, who will also appear Tuesday, and said the call struck her as unusual. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman immediately raised concerns after listening to the July 25th call. He, too, is slated to appear on Tuesday. There is no one star witness that this whole case will rise or fall on, not that we know of right now, but I think Vindman is, is sort of another brick in the wall that House Democrats are trying to build. Former Special Representative to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, 
defended the president's actions in closed-door testimony, telling lawmakers there was, quote, no leverage implied. There was no linkage, and I think further testimony and depositions will confirm that uh, multiple times. We've got text messages from Volcker and Sondland. Volcker's private text message the morning of the July 25th call revealed Ukrainian officials pushing for a White House meeting. Volcker writing to an aide for Zelensky, assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate, get to the bottom of what happened in 2016, we will nail down a date for the visit to Washington. Good luck. On August 9th, Sondland messages Volcker. I think POTUS really wants the deliverable. Going on to suggest Volcker should ask for the Ukrainian president's aid in crafting a, quote, draft statement so that we can see exactly what they propose to cover. Volcker will also appear on Tuesday. Kurt Volker, let's remember, is a former career foreign service officer. Kurt Volker knew what normal foreign policy looks like. The week's final witness, Fiona Hill, is expected to describe what she saw as a nightmare scenario. Private interests driving U.S. policy. Where do you think everybody needs to be at the end of next week? I think Democrats need to be in a position where they can say, we are confident in this case. And I think the Republicans just need to be at a place of either there's doubt about this case, there's doubt about whether it's true, or maybe it happened, but it's not serious enough to merit impeachment. High stakes heading into a potentially explosive week of testimony. We are adjourned. All right, our thanks to Erica Hill and thanks to you for watching. This is Life with Lisa Ling is next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.